chapter 4. We're going to continue and, and finish today with the dealing with the issue of sexual sin or the sexual sin issue. You know, we started out in Second Chronicles 7.14 where the Lord said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then will I hear from heaven and heal your land. And we're all crying out for revival. To me, revival would definitely be a, a manifestation of God healing our land. Healing our churches. But if we want that, if we want him to heal our land, to heal us, then there is a requirement he listed in that verse to humble ourselves, acknowledging, God, I need you. My ways are contrary to your ways. Humility will lead us to prayer. He says, humble yourself and pray. And then he says to seek my face. And he says to seek my face before he says to turn from your wicked ways. So he doesn't require us to get perfect and get right before we come to him. Isn't that awesome? We can come to him because of the wonderful and awesome and powerful blood of Jesus. And when he says, seek my face, I see that he's inviting us to an intimate, close, personal relationship with him. And it's out of that relationship that's going to give us the grace, the desire, and the passion to turn from our wicked ways. Because we're going to see that wickedness, my sin, in light of his wonderful glory. And there won't be a comparison. He's going to say, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I want him. I want his face. And because as a church, we need to overcome the pride of categorizing sin. You know, and I've shared this before that we, we trump or we, we, um, we jump on the bandwagon of, of the sin of homosexuality and the sin of abortion. And that is sin. Both of those. They are sin. But what happens is, is we focus so much attention on those that we forget about the other things. And then we think that, well, I'm not having abortions and I'm not struggling with homosexuality, so I'm good. But there are other sin that the Bible says we need to turn from. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. And fornication is... Is two people having sin outside, or excuse me, having sex apart from marriage. They're not married and they're having sexual relations. That's what fornication is. So it says, neither fornication, fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit of our God. So homosexuality is in that list, but it's not the only thing in that list. Amen? And half of those sins listed have to deal with sexuality, sexual sin. And looking at the statistics and looking at the condition of our country and the world, sexual sin is a big problem. 
And we talked about that last week. And I shared some statistics with you. And you realize that there's a statistic, and there's, there's two of them. I don't know which one's current, but they're both bad. There's one statistic that says 50% of pastors struggle with uh, pornography. And there's another statistic out there that says two-thirds of pastors struggle with or addicted to pornography. It's pretty bad, isn't it? There's statistics that talk about the number of Christian men that struggle with it, which is the same as the stat that I just gave you for pastors. So basically, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you're, the, you're immune to sin. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're immune to sexual sin. You know, the divorce rate in a church is just as bad, if not worse. I don't, I don't know the, the current stats on that, but we know at least it's been 50% or more. Christians or non-Christians. It means the marriages aren't staying together. It means we're not doing something right. Because if you have two people who are committed to Jesus and are committed to each other, then they're going to do it right. Because he's going to show them how to do it right and give them the grace to do it right. But we have a problem. We have sin. We have wicked ways that we have to turn away from, according to the word of God. And I shared last week of the challenge and the struggle that I had back in starting in 2001. Lasted for a while of when I fell into pornography and I got stuck in it for a while. And I shared that. Again, letting you know that none of us are immune to the sexual perversion that, that is so rampant in our world today. And I was so grateful to God because I had been crying out to him when I was dealing with that stuff. I didn't want to be in it. I kept saying, God, help me. Set me free from this. But then the pull of it was, was extremely strong, and I kept falling back into it. And I remember crying out to God saying, God, I want to be free. I want to be free from this. And I remember he said, okay. Just like, you know, you get to the point. You've got to get to the point to where, when you're willing to do whatever you need to do to get free. And some of us aren't at that point yet. We're enjoying our sin too much. Now, I hadn't been caught. I hadn't been or anything like that. But my love for Jesus was saying, I don't want this anymore. My love for my wife. And I don't want this anymore. And then that, that wonderful day when the phone bill came in. $340. And I got on my rent and was talking to Mr. Phone Company guy on the other end of that phone. And was letting them know how, man, you messed up. You need to take care of this now. I didn't say those exact words, but that's the attitude I had. And then when he let me know that... Um, these charges are due to uh, pornography. And then, boom, I got hit because I knew I was the guilty party. It's like, oh, my goodness. But, see, I could have still found a way to maneuver out of that. I had a choice. I could make something up or, or kind of 
skirt around the issue. Or I can take this opportunity as a gift and say, God, I want out. And I say, God, I want out. And so the conversation I had with my wife that night, I said, I need to talk to you about something. Told her about the phone bill, reminded her about that. Told her what it was about. And man, the look on her face. I might as well have just told her I'd been sleeping with another woman. And biblically, I was. Jesus says, if you look on another woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. I was betraying my wife, my best friend. I said, no more. And so I asked her forgiveness. She graciously forgave me. And then certain steps were taken, which I'm going to be talking about. I was on my way to freedom. And that was in 2001. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that I got free, so I haven't struggled with it anymore. I haven't fallen or messed up. But that bondage has been broken. The temptation is still there. And I think it will always be there, like I said, <laughs> unless you're dead or castrated. And I said blind, but I was talking to a brother, and he helped me to realize that you can, still be, you can be blind and still deal with lust. Isn't that right, men? Now, if you've been blind all your life, you might be exempt from that. Some of you got that. James chapter 4. You know, I was telling you last week that I was having a hard time because I knew what the Lord put on my heart to share. He said, I want you to deal with the area of sexual sin, and I want you to share your testimony. And I said it was, it was hard. I wanted to make sure it was God telling me that and not just my idea. Because if the Lord is telling me to do it, then, and I had him confirm that, and it wasn't I was having him confirm it because I was trying to get out of it. I wanted him to confirm it because I realized that something like this you share before a congregation, if it's not the Lord, you can have ramifications that you don't want. And then you've got to deal with the mess. So I wanted to make sure it was the Lord. He confirmed it to me that morning with my time with him and his word. He confirmed it through my wife. He confirmed it with, through the leaders. And just because it is God's will doesn't mean that you're still not going to have ramifications. Doesn't still doesn't mean you're still going to have any kind of fallout. But I'd rather have fallout by doing God's will than have peace and not do his will. And so I have to be honest with you cuz I've been thinking about it this week that it wasn't as hard last week to do what I did as maybe I was making you believe it was. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know what it really wasn't that difficult. I was like, why? And I realized why. Because I wasn't focusing on the problem, the sexual problem, the pornography and all that kind of stuff. My focus was on the people that are going to get set free as a, as a response to the Holy Spirit. And my excitement for that far outweighed the embarrassment or fear of exposing myself. 
And I've got to tell you, I'm extremely excited. And, and those of you who have commented and said what you've said, positive feedback concerning what was shared last week, see, that lets me know that you're on the right track too, that you want God, you want his kingdom, you want freedom, you want Jesus. And see, that fires me up. That trips my trigger. That gets me going. When God's people are excited about God's stuff. And I want to say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. I want my lifestyle to be, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do, whatever you require of me, that will cause people to draw close to you. That's what I want. And he's been doing stuff in my life. He's, you know, when I first got saved, I was a fireball. I couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. I think part of that was due to the fact that he put that evangelistic gift in me. But since then, I am on fire. I am more burning with his passion than I have in the past. I mean, the grace of God is happening, is doing something in my life like it never has before. And I'm so excited. You know, the other day we borrowed a video from some friends from Chris and Leah called The Father of Lights. And you're going to hear about that in the near future. So I'm going to be talking about it or I'm advertising, whatever. It's just an incredible movie. And that movie brought me to tears. And then I was talking to someone about it, just talking about it, and it brought me to tears again. I almost fell apart. Because God was showing off his goodness in such powerful ways to people. These people, these children of God, were giving themselves to the Lord in such a way to, to minister and to reach out to people in dark places. And God was showing up mightily. And people's lives are being changed. I mean, leaders of gangs and, and, and just people in bad conditions and situations were giving their lives to Jesus and coming out of darkness. And it just broke me because it's like, oh, God, you are so good. And God delights in showing his mercy. And he's waiting for his kids to allow him to do it through them. And when you say, God, have your way in me, watch out. Just watch out. Strap on that seatbelt. Then strap on another one. And he delights and desires in showing himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are totally his. Second Chronicles 16, 9. God is looking all over the world. He's looking. Intently looking for those people who will surrender their hearts to him. And then those people, God's going to be able to show off through. My paraphrase. And then people's lives are going to be radically changed. But for that to happen, we have to turn from our wicked ways. We can't hang on to and love and embrace our sin of, of bitterness. Or sin of unforgiveness or sexual sin. We can't hold on to that and be in bed with that and expect to have an intimate relationship with God at the same time. And I want to apologize for the, for the body of Christ that's led many people to believe that. Letting, leading us to believe that there's no repentance. Repentance is not required because that's a work. And the free gift of God is eternal life. Free gift. Free means there's nothing you can add to it. And they equate repentance with works. Saying that you don't have to repent. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
In Acts, what must I do to be saved? Repent. James chapter 4, starting with verse 4, it says, Adulteresses and adulterers, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Another translation says hatred towards God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace or he gives a greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Right there are the steps to freedom. Right there are the steps to freedom. Number one, humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word grace is a powerful word. Grace is the ability given by God to do his will. It empowers you. It's like spinach for Popeye. It works the same way. You get that spinach, boom, the muscles flex out. You can do whatever you need to do, beat up Brutus, you know. When we need to overcome sin, when we need to walk in God's will, he gives us grace, which enables us to do that. But it says he resists the proud, but gives grace only to the humble. And remember in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humble. And right here starts out, he gives, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says, therefore, submit to God. Humble yourself. First thing he's saying, humble yourself so you can be a recipient of his grace. Humble yourself. Submitting to God. Seeing your sin from God's perspective. When you get in God's presence, when you get before him and see your sin in light of him, you're going to have a different reaction than seeing your sin in light of somebody else's sin. So I can look at homosexuality or whatever, I can exalt and, and lift up and say, I'm not doing that, so I'm okay. Well, I haven't killed anybody. You, know, you hear people say that. Well, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? Yeah. Why is that? Well, I haven't killed anybody. You know, we always throw that one, that that's the sin that's going to keep you out of heaven. As long as you don't kill anybody. But see, Jesus messed that one all up. He said, if you get angry at your brother, you deserve hell. Ouch. So we need to humble ourselves and see our, see our sin in light of God. This also speaks of inviting accountability, in, accountability into our lives. If you try to keep your sin hidden and do it by yourself, it will not work. Now, dealing with the sin, sexual sin, if you try to keep that hidden, if you're battling and struggling with some form of sexual sin, and you try to keep it hidden and try to do it by yourself, it's not going to work. And that's why it hasn't been working. It's not going to work. 
In James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sin to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sin to one another. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Number two. So number one is humility. If you want to be free and walk in freedom, that's what we're talking about. Number one is humility. God, I need you. This is junk. I don't want this in my life. This offends you. And we humble ourselves before him, turn to him. This is after you submitted, then can you resist the devil? You're trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. The only authority that you have over the evil one is the authority of Christ in you. If you're not submitted to Christ, then you have no authority over the devil. And the devil knows that. Jesus came to give us authority over all the works of the devil. He said, you shall cast out devils. These are signs that will follow the believer. You shall cast out And it says, resist the devil and he will flee. But that only comes after you've submitted to God. Because if you're not a submission to God and you're walking in sin, your conscience, your heart's going to condemn you. Then when you're facing the enemy, you're not going to have any conviction or any confidence that you can resist him. He's going to kick your butt. Plain and simple. Number three. Draw near to God. This is my favorite part. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Then it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Here again is that invitation from Almighty God. He says, draw near to him. Again, that speaks of intimate relationship with him. And this right here is the key to the whole thing. This right here is the key to the whole thing. If you forget about anything else, do not forget about this part right here. See, because your passion and your love for Jesus Christ will be that motivating force that causes you to want to turn away from sin. If you're just doing it, if you're just driven by consequences or the fear of consequences, eventually your mind will rationalize that away and you'll overcome that. Because what, what happens is you begin to think, well, I'm not going to get caught. And you set up all these, these safety measures and these barriers and boundaries and whatever. You think you're slick. And you think, okay, I'm not going to get caught. And so then the fear of getting caught, the fear of the consequences begins to go away. So then you, that enticement begins to get stronger. So you can't let that be a motivating factor. Now, it helps. But if your passion is for Jesus Christ and you draw close to him and you get to know him, then that will begin to trump that, that desire for that fleshly desire. And see, now you have a context when I shared when Pastor Dill and I got back from Kenya and I was sharing with you about the TV. You guys remember that? Talking about the TV set and the Holy Spirit said, commit to Pastor Dill that you're not going to turn the TV set on. Remember when I shared that? See, back then you probably like, Okay, what's with the TV? Now you have a context as to what I was talking about. Because he, he, in other words, he knew it was on the other side of that TV channel. I, I didn't and I still don't because I didn't turn the TV on. But he said to me, commit to not turning it on and have Dale be your accountability. And I said, and the reason why it was easy for me to say yes, because my love for him. 
It's like, yes, Jesus. And my love for his people. I wanted to be effective on the field. You know, we were there. We had a mission. Pastor Dale and I had, a, had an assignment, and I wanted to be effective in that assignment. And so I didn't want anything to trip me up, and I believe the Holy Spirit was giving me a warning. In other words, if you don't listen to me, you're about to get tripped up. The enemy has a plan, a snare for you. And the Bible says that we need to be aware of the tricks, of the strategies of the enemy, because he wants to trip you up and take you out. So we have to be careful. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have to submit ourselves to accountability and counsel. Amen? When I'm passionate for Jesus, then I'll be passionate for his kingdom. When I'm passionate for his kingdom, then I'll be passionate for people and wanting to see people connect to God's kingdom. And that's what that movie that I was watching was about. Seeing people get connected to God. And that's what I want. Then number four, it says, cleanse your hands. It says, after some, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Talking about repentance. We need to repent from the stuff that we're dealing with. Number five, we need to lament, mourn, weep over our sin. We have to get to the place that our sin, we become broken over our sin. And see, when I saw the look on Lisa's face, that broke me. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to see that look anymore. I don't want to break her heart anymore. And this may sound kind of crazy, but I believe I was telling my wife this last night. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, gave me a strategy back in the day. And it's to deal with, with sexual sin and fantasizing and everything. And it's... If you catch yourself fantasizing or giving in or wanting to give in to lustful thoughts and pornography and that kind of thing, go ahead and carry that fantasy out to the consequences. In other words, let your mind carry it out to what happens if you get caught. And then you have to face your wife. Let's say you get caught, you get exposed, newspapers get a hold of you. And then you have to face your wife. And you have to face your kids. And they're sitting there looking at you saying, Daddy, how could you do this? All the things you've taught us and you, you get caught doing this? And imagine the people that look up to you in ministry and you have to face them and they say, why? See, when you allow yourself to dwell on that, it's going to put the fear of God in you. Because what happens is you run into that and it's like, whoa! And you come running way back over here. So I don't want nothing to do with that. Hope that helps somebody. Too many people are banking on the fact that they're not going to get caught. That they're not going to have consequences. You know, I wonder if King David thought he wasn't going to get caught or, you know, being a king. I mean, he had a cool relationship with God. I mean, the dude was famous. Had the, he had the favor of God all over him. Was in charge of the whole kingdom. We could probably say one of God's favorites. Not really biblical, but you know what I mean. King David. And yet, when he was supposed to be at war, and he wasn't doing the will of God, he's hanging out, bored. And I'm sure you can relate to this. When you get bored, men, 
That's when the temptation gets stronger. If you find yourself bored or feeling bored, that means you are out of the will of God. When we get ourselves in a situation where we're bored, then what happens is we want to we feed our soul, our flesh. And that's when a temptation comes. Or if you get discouraged, you find yourself in a state of discouragement. Start feeling sorry for yourself. Start lamenting or whatever the case is. Enemy's knocking on the door. He's about to come slipping right in. And I know you know what I'm talking about. The King David was bored. I would assume he was bored. Wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. Went out on the balcony. And we all know the story. And you would think that God would get a pass. I mean, come on. Just a woman. Just murder. Just adultery. I mean, come on. And you see the consequences he had to deal with for the rest of his life? Oh, my goodness. See, that puts the fear of God in me. Because it's like even though God loved him, had a covenant with him, David did not get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. You know, whenever you see that, I've come to realize that whenever the this, this statement starts off with do not be deceived, that means you're prone to be deceived. In other words, he's about to say, what I'm about to say right here, watch out, because people, many people get deceived about this. So he's saying, do not be deceived. Or in another translation says, don't be misled. Then it says, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Another translation that says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, beware your sin will find you out. You know, so we think we can do these things and get away with it. You know, God loves his kids so much that he allows them to get caught. I mean, how many people or how many testimonies have you heard? People who were Christians. And they were doing some boneheaded stuff. And then they got caught. And then looking back, they said that was the best day of their lives. Now, that day they wouldn't have said that. But after they got caught and then those that repented, then they looked back. And I think of a, a brother named Jim Baker. You guys remember him? Jim and Tammy, I think it's Tammy Faye Baker. Now, I haven't kept up with Jim recently. But we all know the stupidity and all the stuff that they got into. And he got caught, ended up in prison. But his testimony after that has been pretty powerful. And he talks about when he was in that prison cell, he met Jesus. I mean, encounters with Jesus. And so it's the gift of God that allows you to get caught. 
So if that's a gift that you don't want to experience, then don't do the deeds. Because we're saying, oh, God, I want everything you have for me. Watch out. So number five is lament, mourn, weep over your sin. We need to be sorry for our sin. We need to allow ourselves to focus on the consequences and say, I do not want that. I do not want that. And allow the fear of God and the love of God, his passion, well up in your heart. It will help you push aside the garbage. And then number six, bring accountability into your life. Like I said before, this is not something we can do on our, our alone. And that was the step right there where I began to experience freedom. And I'm going to ask Greg. You in here, Greg? I should go ahead and share on this point. Um, I, I've got five minutes. So I'm starting my, my stopwatch right here because I promised my pastor that that's how long I would take, and that's it. And I'm not going to be able to teach in five minutes, so I'm just going to deliver a couple points, and then we're going to go on to whatever CJ has next, okay? Does everyone understand that? Now, first things first, I want to thank publicly CJ, our pastor, for bringing this forward. Thank you for, for, and I have deep respect for, for him, and I've already acknowledged that last Sunday in a text to him. Thank you, CJ, for doing this. Um... I stand before you today before God and tell you that I have never had an issue with pornography since my teenage years. Now, does that mean I've not had temptation? No. Does that mean I've not had many opportunities? No. Does that mean I still that I don't have struggles today? No. I'm going to submit to you today some practical reasons why. The number one reason is why. The grace of God in my life. The grace of God in my life. Why do I say that? Because I cannot do it of my own power. And I have spent time in the carpet with my nose before my master begging for his grace in my life for this. God, I cannot fall. You've got to help me. And let me tell you a practical step, men, that I have received massive help. And I fell into this, I think, just the grace of God. Dumb luck falling into the grace. It's not dumb luck. It's the blessing of God. Because I spent time with my nose in the carpet, and I still do to this day. And that is my covenant partner. My wife. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want you to see this for yourself because so oftentimes as ministers of the word, we just quote scriptures and I want people to know we're not just lying here and making things up. So two minutes are already gone. I want you to look in verse 4. I don't want to read a lot of this, but I invite you to read this chapter, particularly the first several verses. Verse 4 says, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Boy, husbands want to stop there and rejoice. That's right. Amen, brother. Your body is mine. And how oftentimes do we glorify that in masculinity? No, I'm serious. 
How oftentimes do we look at the sexual experience as a place of authority that the man exerts in a relationship? But I want you to finish the Scriptures, brothers, because what verse 4 says in my Bible, and likewise the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. I submit to you with three minutes gone, I've got two, less than two minutes, the number one thing besides me putting my carpet, you know how God delivered grace to me? I go to my wife and I have asked her, Melody, you have got to pray for me. You have got to ask the grace of God and deliver it by the anointing you have as my covenant partner to me. I have submitted my body to her. That's this process, brothers. You go to your wife just as much as she has submitted to you in sexual union and fulfilling of your needs. You go to her and you submit your sexual life, the part of you, that is your, your drive and everything about you, and you go to your covenant partner and you say, covenant partner, whoever, whatever that name is, I've got to have your help. I submit to you my desires. I submit to you my drives. And I'm asking you to pray the grace of God over my life. That I will not fall. Come on, brothers. That's what I have done. So when I submitted to you, it wasn't glory to me. It was glory to the grace of God in my life when I said I have not had an issue with pornography since my teenage years. I'm going to tell you this is the reason why. Because I have done this consistently. I have, I have laid there in bed, and when I go through times, brothers, that there is a particular challenge going on, you know what I'm talking about. You have cycles that, that it gets particularly challenging. Your mind is being bombarded. Your soul is being bombarded. You've watched the Super Bowl, whatever the thing is, and you've had exposure to things that you didn't really want. But there it is. You go to your wife and you say, please pray for me. That's releasing the grace of God. That's five minutes and I'm done. And I would just invite you, and I'm sure Greg would too. Uh, he shared that with me a few days ago, and I preferred to have him share that. And so I thought that was good. And that's something I haven't done to this point. Now, I do have my wife. I've invited her to be my accountability in certain areas when it comes to passwords, and she has freedom to my computer, iPhone, iPad, I, everything. She has, she can pick it up anytime she wants to. My, she can look through my text. She can look, in other words, I'm an open book for her. Yeah, there's. <laughs> but anyway, um, now I've, I've invited her to be my accountability. But it doesn't stop there. And I've invited men to be my accountability too. And, I, and that's one thing I would encourage, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit too. But the, the thing that Greg is sharing, I, I really appreciate that. And I was talking to my wife last night about that and saying, hmm, I, I think I want to do that more. And, and she was just sharing her, her heart and her ideas from a woman's perspective, uh, which helped me understand. Uh, women don't really understand this issue necessarily, that kind of thing. And I told her, I said, well, I'm not concerned about all that, but I just want you to pray for me. I want that grace. Just humbling myself before you and saying, honey, just pray for me, that kind of thing. So I, I appreciate that, Greg. And if, if you guys want more clarity, clarity on that, go to Greg. I'm sure he'll explain what he means, what he means by that. Um, 
You know, one thing I want to say, and I've been thinking about this, ladies, I want to say to you that pornography, if your husband is struggling with pornography, it is not your fault. Did you hear me? I'm going to say that one more time. If your husband is dealing with pornography or sexual sin, it is not your fault. Now, you probably believe it is. And if you find, and I know that bringing this up in, a, in this setting, this context with men and women together and everything, I know it, it presents emotional challenges as far as this is kind of uncomfortable. I would rather you feel uncomfortable here than being uncomfortable because you got caught because of what happened and now you're, you're exposed and your family's destroyed. So be uncomfortable. Okay? But the thing is, it is not the woman's fault. You know, when I was having this, this challenge, my wife and I had a very normal, healthy sex life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But that temptation was still there. You know, one thing what Greg was talking about, uh, discouragement, uh, boredom, all that kind of stuff, it opens the door for this kind of, kind of thing. Now, ladies, you can contribute to the problem. You know that scripture that Greg read, 1 Corinthians chapter 7? If you are withholding yourself from your husband and saying, well, it ain't Christmas yet, or whatever the excuse is. Come on, somebody. If for whatever reason... You're withholding yourself, and you're always using the same excuse, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, headache, headache, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, or whatever. We know you have children. We know you work hard. We know all those things. Believe me, my wife works hard, and she's got a bunch of kids. So she can use that excuse a lot. But I'm saying, so if, if husband and wife, if you're not able to come together like you should, then, ladies, it is still not your fault that your husband is getting into this stuff, but you can be contributing to the problem. And I just wanted to make that clear. Because I know that for the most part, you know, this has been a man's struggle, but statistics show that, unfortunately, women are catching up in this area. But the, the, the drive or the, um, the reason why people go to pornography for men and women is different. We're wired different. We're different. So, ladies, you do not understand this thing that your husband's struggling with. And you take it personally and say it's because I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm ugly or whatever. And that's not the case. No woman, no woman can compete with the perfection on the Internet. That airbrush, whatever, you know, those, you know what I'm saying? So you can have the most, you can have Miss America, you can be married to Miss America and that doesn't mean that you're going to struggle, not struggle with pornography. So, ladies, this doesn't have anything to do with your looks, your beauty, all that kind of stuff. Please hear me on that. And I may not be explaining it right, but I just want to let you know, this is not about you. It is not about you.
You hear me? And I know this is something we're going to go ahead. I, I have some people. The reason why I had to have Greg share five minutes, and I appreciate that, Greg. And as I told him on the phone yesterday, texting, I said, now, you're not going to be able to teach. <laughs> we don't have time for that, brother, because I know he can get that preach on, and we're going. You know what I mean? And the reason why is because I have, I have four other people that I want to, I'm going to have come share something real quick because one thing, the goal was to expose this thing and then say, okay, let's deal with it head on. And we can't do that on a Sunday morning in a couple hours. We can't do that. My goal was to bring it out, get this ugly monster out in the open, and then let's deal with it head on. And you cannot handle this by yourself. It's not something you can deal with by yourself. The, the devil wants to keep you exp- or keep you hidden. And see what, what I was going to say earlier is when freedom began to happen in my life, when here I am a young man, and I'm struggling with this, the, the thoughts and everything, and I'm thinking there's no godly man struggling like I am. So I thought I was alone. But Stan Tedro started when we were doing the Promise Keepers thing. You guys remember Promise Keepers? And then we started the men's small groups in our church. And I thank God for Stan Tedro and his heart. And we started a small group, and, and I can't remember how many there were, but I was in Stan's small group. And I, and I was the youngest one. I was the kid in the group, Twenty, however, however old I was. But what I learned was all these men that were in this group, there was about five or six of us. And they were older than me, and they were all in ministry. And I respected these men, every single one of them. But yet, they all shared the common struggle. I said, what? For real? And I was inside, I was having a thank you, hallelujah, Jesus party. Because I realized I wasn't the only one. Because I really thought I was. And brothers, I want you to know, you're not the only one. The enemy will make you believe that you are. You ain't the only one. Amen? And so... Um, we begin to share openly, invited accountability. We begin to ask each other questions and challenge one another and all those good things. And that accountability began the wonderful road out of, out of bondage. And I'm going to ask Cornell to come up and share because we're going to be dealing with this issue in NFL. And I just want Cornell to come and share um, in five minutes how we're going to be doing that. <laughs> uh, I, too, appreciate uh, Pastor C.J., tackling this issue because it's uh like you just say growing up it's been a bugbear not only in the world but in the church uh for a long long time and it's time we turn away from it and turn to god amen uh as cj alluded to it's not we perceive it as not good enough that we have this time on Sunday and this truth gets shared and we even have this altar time where 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 we come up and 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 we confess to God uh the error of our ways and everything and then we just leave it at that all right and so because of that uh we're going to be following up rolling up our sleeves and and we're going to really we're going to um uh, we're going to press into this thing for for the next number of weeks. It might be a month. It might be two months. But uh, I want to invite every man out here today to come to NFL because we're going to, uh, in NFL, we're going to take what CJ has been teaching and we're going to confront these issues and be challenged to confess our sins as men and 
confess and repent before one another. That's the start. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to be going through the book, Every Man's Battle. All right? And, and, and in that book is a lot of practical truths, a lot of, a lot of practical things that can help us Learn to walk in liberty. Learn to walk in freedom. Learn to walk in power and anointing, even in this area where we're free from the temptations of of sexual sin. Amen? We don't have to be in bondage to this. We don't have to be falling to this. We don't have to be struggling through this. God has given us the ability to walk in freedom, to walk in liberty, to walk as Christ walked on this earth. He has given us not only this ability, but he has challenged us to walk that way. Be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. He didn't say try to be that way. He said be that way. Because he knew the work on the cross was complete. It is finished. It is done. What Christ did on the cross enables us to walk as he did. Amen? Now, so we, but, but we have got to stop trying to handle things on our own, uh, being, too, being too prideful to let another brother know what we're struggling with. It's just, you know, it's time that we go ahead and just totally just get vulnerable with one another. Just say, you know what, what Pastor Shea was talking about, here's where I am, guys. Here's where I am. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm ready to cast this thing aside. I want to glorify my Savior and my King, even in the area of sexuality. And I recognize I can't do that by myself. So here I am, brothers. I'm making myself available for you to help me. How many of you know we need each other's help? Uh, we're going to be breaking up into small groups, groups of five to six at the max. So although you'll be vulnerable to one another, you're not going to be vulnerable to 25 guys. All right? That'll be a little bit easier on you. And we're going to stay in those small groups for the period of time that we'll be going through the book. All right? Now, I do need to admit, I'm, we are going to go over a little bit today. We usually try to get done by 12. Uh, but I, I preached a little longer than I intended to because uh, I had – what we want to make available to you is the resources that we have to assist you. And uh, we have all kinds of books out there. I'll talk about that in a second. But also, I'm going to have my wife come up and, and share uh, what's going to be available for you ladies. Sure is a nice iPad. Here. Come get it, husband. I've got so much stuff here. Thank you. All right. Great. Okay. Five minutes. All right. Let's do this. Um, we are wanting to do something for the ladies. Um, we're trying to put together a study. There's a book out there called Every Woman's Battle. There's also one called Every Single Woman's Battle and Every Young Woman's Battle. So just so you know. We right now are planning on going through every woman's battle, um, unless we have tons of single ladies. We're still kind of a work in progress. Um, But what I want to let you know, ladies, is that, well, quite a few things, actually, but I have five minutes. So um, one thing is that we can't compare 
um, sexual sins to what our husbands go through because we can look at what they're going through and like, well, I'm fine. I'm not struggling with anything. When really our battles are sexual sin or more mentally and emotionally. And a lot of times that whole area of purity, we understand to a point, but we really just kind of know the top of it um, or the surface. And this really goes into such a whole bunch of different topics that are so good. And it's just a really basic discipleship just for purity. So I would say this isn't just for you ladies who are struggling, because some of you are and don't even know it, just to be quite honest, because you don't know what it is. Some of you think that just because you're married, you're fine. And I want to challenge when you're in your bed with your husband, who are you thinking about? Are you thinking about your husband or are you thinking about something else? Seriously? So this, there's a whole, a whole bunch more issues that we don't even understand. When you're watching the TV and you're innocently watching the TV and there's some huge makeout scene, are you thinking about your husband and what he could be struggling with? Or are you just thinking about, oh, I just love to watch love. Isn't this wonderful? You know? <laughs> Seriously, our entertainment is not about us, is it? Our, our likes and desires, it's not about us, ladies. We're just not some person that, whatever I want, you need to give me, and that's how it has to be. You know, so I just want to tell you, there's just a deeper issue. Um, and it's good to know about it, you know. Um, if not just for yourself, for people who you may be mentoring, people who may be coming along, just to get a closer relationship with God when we can know, oh, this is what it means to be pure, and then we can walk into that area a purity with him and have that deeper relationship, which I know we all want, you know, and what an opportunity. One scripture the Lord did give me, um, uh, just to share real quick, is we can't remove the speck in our husband's or other people's eyes when we have a plank in our own, right? And sometimes it's really hard to see that plank because we think it's a speck. You know, let me help my husband and his planks when I have plenty of specks of my own, right? Um, and so we kind of get that twisted, I think. Um, and so anyways, what I want you to do is I need Paula Hall and Jean Shea to stand up. Um, these are just a part of our women's leaders team. And who are going to be, oh, and Kaylin, KKK. There, stand up, I'm sorry. Um, if you guys are interested, I want you to either, if you have one of us in your contacts, send us a text, or I want you to just to get your bulletin, tear it off, write your name and, and number, please, on the back, and hand it to one of us, okay? If you don't see, see any of us and you're like, oh, where'd they go? My purse is right here. It has no money in it, so don't worry about, I'm not, you know, I don't have any credit cards. You're not going to get anything. Just go drop it in my purse, and I'll dump my purse out later, okay? If you just... Remember, you can have a seat. Thank you. Just so you know, look around. See where these ladies are seated right here. I would love to have the whole thing packed around like, man, I need more leaders. I, I might need to teach this. You know, wouldn't that be cool if we all get on the same page and say, yes, we want to learn about this purity thing. You know, teach us. We want to know. Let's do it together. So that's my uh, encouragement, admonition to you all. Thank you very much.
Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, invite Leah Cangelosi to come on up. She's the, uh, one of the directors of Stewart of Life Services, and I really appreciate Leah. And some of you don't know this, but I've known Leah since she was two years old. And she broke my watch. She reminded me of, yeah. I used to be her horse. I, she used to ride on my back around. Anyway, enough of that. That's what I repented for today when I came up. Okay, I just, I'm weird, and I get so excited because I like talking about these topics because that's what I do all day, and so I saw CJ at Walmart with like 40 pounds of dog food, and I was like, I I was like wanting to jump out of my seat because this is so awesome you're talking about this, so I'm awkward, and I'm totally comfortable talking about these things, and that's what we do at Stillwater Life Services. Now that we've opened up our clinic, God's really grown the ministry into other areas. We don't focus just on unplanned pregnancy or abortion. Um, We have couples come to us who are struggling with this, young um, men, college-age men, older men who come and are dealing with some type of sexual addiction, and we have people who are available to sit down and come in and share their stories. My husband's one of those people. Um, We have plenty of resources, just educational resources. I sent CJ a huge list of things. Um, One thing that I wanted to say, just to the ladies that I was so thankful that Lisa kind of referenced was, our battle tends to collide with the men's battle and really inflame each other. And our battle is self-worth as ladies and body image. And we're inundated by the culture's message that says we have to look perfect, within, which then translates into our own sexual sin and impurity. And then when your husband comes to you or your boyfriend comes to you and says, I'm struggling with this, we get freaked out, insecure. We want to shame him out of doing that. He retreats back and doesn't want to talk about it. And we have a bigger problem. So those are some of the communication parts that we can provide support at Stillwater Life Services to kind of help you work through that. And that's just one of the reasons I wanted to mention that to ladies is it's really easy to want to, like, um, if he shares a struggle with you, kind of like um, Greg was talking about, it's really easy to want to, like, kind of shame him into not because we are insecure. And so I think God's calling us to create a safe place for our husbands also um, to talk about those things. Another issue that I'd like to just bring up here that we have resources for at the clinic is really um, we've talked about the problem. Um, We've gotten some great practical steps today about the solution, but also how do we um, raise awareness for prevention for our children and this young generation that's being faced with this as young as even nine um, that, that we've seen just young, just being inundated by this. And so there's some great even scientific research about the brain, the adolescent brain, how some of these things can affect them and create unhealthy patterns even in ours. And you'll read these books and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, how, why didn't I ever know? But also even just God's spiritual context and how we're created and the way our body's designed and spiritually what's happening when we bond ourselves to these unhealthy things. So... Um, I think that's an important step is being really proactive, if that's okay to add in, in how do we create a culture different for this young generation to raise men of honor, women of purity? Um, how do we help introduce in a relevant way? No, not, not against purity balls, but just the reality is that's not relevant anymore, and that's not going to cut it. So we have to be willing to be relevant, talk about these things, get down to the dirty issues, and help our children understand God's design for their life and relationships and um, the sexual brokenness that can just just harm them and, and hurt their hearts and affect their future relationships. So if you need information about Stillwater Life Services, you can come find me or find my husband, Chris, 
CJ and Lisa and a lot of other people here know how to get you hooked up with us. We have some really great resources, and we just want to be here for you guys. So. So again, we're just wanting to let you guys know the resources that are available. Some of you may not yet be comfortable with sharing with your brothers or sisters here. And, and so maybe you can go to um, Stewart Life Services where people don't know you yet. Whatever it takes to get you moving in the right direction. That's what we want. Amen. We want you free. And that's what I'm excited about. I just feel like a kid with a new toy this whole week because I'm anticipating the level of worship that we're going to experience as we worship God in freedom and a level of experience of being bold and aggressive and going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because he set me free. He wants to set you free and we'll be passionate about sharing that with people. Um, in a minute, I have Stephen. Sorry. Sorry for going over. Um, anyway, uh, once there's a bunch a bunch of resources out there, a bunch of books that we have out there. And again, they're on sale half price today. So if you get all these or these books, they're five dollars. There's also worship CDs and DVDs. There's one book I wanted to bring to your attention. Leah reminded me of it when she's talking about the next generation. Men that have sons. This is this is a book called Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. If you have a young son that, you know, nine, ten, eleven, and you're like, oh, no, I know I need to have the talk. I know it's time, and I am scared to death. Don't know what to say. Don't know what to do. Here's a wonderful resource that I've used uh, with all my four older boys, and pretty soon I got another one that i got to go through this with. But it is a wonderful book that helps you walk through these issues with your son. You go through it together, and it, and it's pretty awesome. And we'll probably uh, talk about this in NFL. And by the way, NFL is at 6 o'clock tonight. So, guys, be there at 6 o'clock so we can get started right away and use, use as much of our time that we can. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and ask Stephen Burke to come up and, and share. He's, he's the leader of the Father's Heart Ministry that we offer here at New Covenant Fellowship. And I just want him to come up and share. Out there with the resources that uh, CJ was talking about, you'll see some envelopes like this if you are interested in uh, Father's Heart Ministry. Get one of these packets, fill it out, and get it back to me. Uh, or take a look at a brochure. And I can guarantee you it won't look anything like what you just saw. But I think, you know, we've all been told that throughout our lives, if, that if we had a problem, just stop it. But I think most of us realize that it just doesn't work that way. And the reason for that is because the issue is much deeper than that. And so that's what we do in prayer ministry is we go to that root issue. The Bible talks about how uh, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And so that's what we do is we find the bad fruit in a person's life. And, and, it's, and it's apparent. We, most of us know what's going on in our lives, and we, we're aware of that bad fruit. And so what we do is we track that bad fruit to the root. And when we deal with the root, most of the time you don't have to worry about stopping it. Because once that bad root is out... And, there, and Jesus Christ has been planted into that place. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control. And, you know, an apple tree doesn't have to try and produce apples. It does it because it's an apple tree. So if you have an area in your life where there's bad fruit, 
that means there's something in your heart that is not of the Holy Spirit. And many times that comes from judgments, criticism, bitterness that we have towards our parents in our formative years. And now because out of that sinful reaction of what happened to us, we now have bad fruit as adults. And that bad fruit manifests itself in our relationships with our spouses, our children, the other people that are in the sphere of our influence, including addictions. And so we, we don't look at what's necessarily just happening right now. We, we look at that, that fruit and go to the root, fruit to root. And that's where we find true freedom and liberty. So those are the things that, that, you know, CJ has been talking about over the last couple of weeks. He's been talking about the fruit. If you're addicted to uh, pornography or masturbation or any of those kinds of things, or you've been pro- promiscuous, that's fruit. That's bad fruit. But there's a root that needs to be dealt with. And when that root is dealt with, then your life will be changed. And that's where all these other things come into play as well. Because then we can have the accountability partners. We can help break the addiction and the bad habits that are residual after the root has been taken care of. And so what I want to do real quickly is kind of an example of what we do in prayer ministry. Of what it means to go to a bad root. Now as CJ has been ministering over the last couple of weeks, perhaps some things have come into your mind, some bad roots that are in your life. And maybe you remember, oh, I remember how mom and dad used to treat me, how I didn't get the love that I needed when I was little. We all experience trauma in our lives, either the absence of love or abuse. And so if, if something like that has come to your remembrance in the last couple of weeks, today we're going to deal with one of those things just as an example. And if you guys have that, that prayer up on the screen, that would be good. And when we get to a, a blank, I don't want you to say out loud, just inside, you can say it to the Lord. But everybody stand up and we're going we're gonna to say this prayer in unison. Okay, now repeat after me, okay? Lord, I have come to understand the wounds that have made me vulnerable to the sin of. And just think that in your mind right now. And I choose to forgive. Okay, and then the, the person that has hurt you in your life. I ask you to forgive me for my sinful responses. For judging and and name, you know, inside, name those specific judgments. Lord, I ask you to break the power of these judgments. I bring them to you that they may die on your cross. 
Wash my mind and my spirit clean. Take away the drawing power of this sin. Lord, give me the gift of perseverance as I develop new habits and repair the damage that I have caused. Okay, now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, pray over you guys, okay? Lord, I agree with those who are asking you to break the judgments in their lives. Grind those judgments to powder and blow them away with the breath of your Holy Spirit so that they may never be forged again. And as a servant of the living God, I declare to you that you are forgiven. Lord, grant a clean conscience. Cause new desires and discipline to build practices and to learn what pleases you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who, who are truly repentant of something, that thing is gone. And your body does not have to uh, be compelled to do those things that it has once done. This is truly a time for, for freedom for the people in this room. Because there have been more than just one tool offered to you to help you walk in the freedom and the liberty that Jesus Christ died and paid for so that we could have that relationship with the Father and that we can live our lives out of that relationship with Him and not be controlled by the sin in this world. And so I too would like to thank CJ for being brave enough to lead the congregation in this direction. That as a congregation, we can truly express the character and the love of our Heavenly Father. Amen. All right. Been good stuff, huh? I mean, not the kind of thing you want to talk about all the time. Unless you're crazy like Leah. It's funny, when I saw her and Chris in Walmart the other day, she I'm so excited. I love this. Like, oh, my goodness. She didn't sound like that when she talks. Well, anyway, you know, and the Bible talks about showing the fruit of repentance. Let's not just agree with this stuff. Let's not just hear the word. But let's be doers. Amen. Because God wants us free so we can passionately burn the trail with him of seeing other people set free and seeing Jesus Christ glorified. And that's the whole point behind everything. It's not focusing on the addictions, but it's focusing on Jesus and loving him more and more.